Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking Comics, Women in Comics Week. All right, so you heard from Fiona Staples. You've heard us talk about our favorite female characters. Tomorrow, you're going to hear from Trina Robbins. But today, today, we have the writer of the new Captain Marvel ongoing series from Marvel Comics, Kelly Sue DeConnick. We are so excited to have her here. It is such an honor. And I don't want to be blabbed around too much. Again, I'll say it again. Let us know what you thought of the interview at Talking Comics or info at TalkingComicBooks.com. But I don't want to waste any more time. Let's talk to Kelly Sue DeConnick. All right, we are back. And we continue our Women in Comics Week with the writer of the new ongoing Captain Marvel series, Kelly Sue DeConnick. Kelly Sue, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Um, we are super excited about Captain yes. Marvel, all of us. It's actually, time you're hearing this, it is on the shelves right now, so you guys should be picking that up. But before we get to what you're doing right now, um, we like to ask you know, where everybody started, you know, everybody's you know, origin story mm-hmm. of sorts. Mm-hmm. So first of all, how did you first get into comics as a reader? My dad was uh, in the Air Force, and so I lived overseas on military bases for a good portion of my life, and um, comics are a big deal in military culture, and overseas where we didn't get, well, off base, we didn't get American television, so, um, and on base, you only get one channel, you probably get more now, but at the time, you only got one, and it was one English (laughs) station, and it was was AFRTS, or... I think, which is like the Armed Forces television station. I think that's what it it stood for, but we called it AFARTS. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was mostly soap operas. Um, so, and they were soap operas that were like six months behind what was going on in the soap operas in the States too. So not a lot of, uh, I have weird gaps in my pop culture knowledge of, of uh, TV. Like I've never seen the Brady Bunch. Um, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> But I read a bazillion comics, and my mom used to pick them up by the handful at swap meets. Um, I had the Edmondson family. I went to their house after school most nights, and uh, uh, because my mom worked, and the Edmondsons had a ton of comics. There were uh, two boys and a girl in the family, and both of the boys were collectors. And Missy was my best friend, and she and I. she would read, I think, mostly the Archie stuff, and I was really into the um, the horror anthologies, oddly enough. Wow. Uh, which scared the bejesus out of me, but I couldn't put <laughs> it down. 
Um, so you mentioned the horror anthology. What other titles did you were you reading when you were younger? Wonder Woman, um, which I think was uh, ubiquitous in the seventies. Um, uh, I I think you know it was the the nascent feminist movement of the seventies, and my mm-hmm. my mom I think thought. She clearly didn't read them, um, but she, I think she thought that the, the Wonder Woman titles were um, sort of, you know, pro-lady, so uh, she would pick me up those. She also, she was great. She never policed my reading, so um, I, oddly enough, I mean, I, I think this is great. Maybe it's not great. I don't know, but uh, I, I read a, a good deal of Vampirella as well, which in retrospect seems sort of peculiar, but... Um, yeah, I, I loved all that stuff. Awesome. So um, that's your very early life, obviously. But, you know, I was reading up, doing some research. And how did you go from getting a drama degree from the University of Texas to being mm-hmm. acknowledged in Neil Gaiman's uh, American Gods? What, where's the, the connection between those two things? Uh, I met Gaiman at a uh, book signing, actually, in New York. I... Um, I wrote him a note and gave it to the bookstore owner and, uh, and the bookstore owner was like, yeah, I'll put it with the rest. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think the, the thing was that like, I was so, um, dumbstruck, uh, it, for my, my 30 seconds that I had a chance to talk to him while he was signing my book, uh, that I didn't, um, I, I didn't know what to say, and uh, and I was sort of kicking myself for it later. So, um, so I wrote a note. Um, uh, it was not a mash note. It was a very. <laughs> um, uh, I, ba- I basically told him that I I I knew that he did not live in New York, um, but that he had had reason to come to New York often, and if he was ever in need of an assistant in New York, these were my qualifications, and I would love to send him my resume. Um, wow. Uh, I, I basically wrote him looking for a job, um, and he very politely uh, emailed me back and said that he he had a very capable assistant um, and and really didn't need an assistant in New York. But thank you, and uh, and it was nice meeting me, and he remembered me, and we had like a a very pleasant correspondence. Uh, uh, for a while. And then one day he happened to reply to one of my emails when I was, uh, really bummed about something. And, um, and I wrote him back sort of more honestly than you, than you ordinarily would a stranger. And, um, uh, and I got a, a, a beautiful, very human, uh, very supportive reply. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and just sort of, sort of started to consider him a friend after that. And then, um, and then I ended up, I did some research for Maggie Estep for a couple of novels, uh, that she worked on and just, you know, when you live in New York, you're, you have to have like 17 jobs to pay the rent, you know? <laughs> um, so I did a little bit of everything for anyone and, uh, so I made some calls for Gaiman for um, American Gods, uh, I, some a little bit of a Russian, Russian mythology, and uh, and some stuff about New York taxi cabs. Um, so that's how my name ended up in the in the thank yous there. Very that cool. Book. That book. It's a great book. It yeah, is a great book. yeah, it's a great book. Fantastic. And, and Russian mythology and 
New York taxi cabs are reasonably the same yeah. if you've taken New York City taxi cabs. So. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> now, did you always have designs that you wanted to be a writer, or did that d- no, just come to you no. at some point? No, um, I wanted to be, uh, I think, president and, uh, <laughs> and an actor and... Um, that's probably that's probably the high points right there. They're not mutually self-exclusive. We've had one of those. So <laughs> yeah, that absolutely. Can work. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, no, I I, uh, I, I seem to I, I didn't have the temperament really to be an actor. Um, I, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I think I'm I've probably more. Um, I'm not that naturally gifted across <laughs> across the board, but I probably have more natural talent as an actor than I do as a writer, but I don't have the right temperament for it. Um, mm. So, uh, so I was, I, 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 I've had more, I've been able to make um, a living for longer as a writer than I have as an actor. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I read that you, you did a lot of, right. You did a lot of uh, English translations of Japanese manga, right? I did, I did, yeah. Um, and then you kind of moved on to start doing some comic work, and I know you worked with, you know, Steve Niles on 30 Days of Night, and yeah. you also did um, a comic book based on the work of Tori Amos, right? I mean, that's wow. a very wide Ooh. breadth of stuff. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what was it like, you know, working with Steve Niles and then getting to work on this project where you're kind of taking inspiration from music? Um. Nile, uh, the opportunity to work on 30 Days was fantastic. Niles was very generous and just, I didn't have, um, I didn't have any original, uh, English language comics experience at that point. He just thought I could do it. And, um, so he took a chance and it was, it was amazing. Um, I had a really good time with that book. Um, I was scared to death, but <laughs> but that's I'm scared to death today too. So I don't know, I don't know that that's changed particularly. Uh, we we hardly bite anybody, so you don't have to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm afraid of. I keep telling myself everyone who was involved with Electric Superman is still working, so <laughs> I'm going to be all right. This is a remarkably forgiving industry. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, I guess the Tori Amos thing was Comic Book Tattoo, right, was the name of, of that book. I two short stories in Comic Book Tattoo, um, one with Lauren McCubbin and one with Andy McDonald. Uh, and uh, I had a great time with that. Um, it, it was neat. We, we wrote short stories based on these songs, um, and they didn't. They could be literal adaptations of the songs if we wanted, or they could be um, riffing a bit. And I, both of mine were sort of riffing a bit, more, more, more what the songs made me feel than specifically what, what I thought the narrative was in the song. Now, when you do something like that, I'm just interested in that. Like, as a creator, do you feel, do you like having that structure almost like I have this base I have to go off of and now I can create I do, off of it. I do. I love mm-hmm. structure. I absolutely love structure. When I was an actor, I loved structure too. Um, like I loved improv, but I loved improv because improv was full of, full of rules. Um, I always liked working with, uh, uh, dictatorial directors. <laughs> um, like I, 
I, I feel like I am most creative when I know where all the walls are. You know, like give go ahead. Like I don't like actor. I don't like uh, directors who don't give you any blocking or, or you know any marks to hit or anything. Or like you know just do what you feel. Like that 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 irritates me after a certain point. Like yes, in in early rehearsals, yes, but but later I want there to be I want there to be structure. I want there to be blocking. Like tell me to be to be here at this line and there at that line. And I may do a cartwheel to get there, but you tell me where I need to be when, you know? Yeah, Um, absolutely. So uh, I often will play games with myself, um, making, making rules or sort of applying structure that isn't there just so that, um, so that I can have more fun with it. Um, There's a, a pro short story I wrote in the back of some IDW books called fight. And, um, I did a, uh, the end of every scene has a, I was trying to do the equivalent of a comic book match cut. Like there's some, there's some line at the end of every scene and in the first line of the beginning of the next scene that is, that is a match cut. There's some, um, I, there's some kind there's a word or an image that's mirrored from one to the next. Uh, no one reading that story would ever catch it, but that was how I made my way through the story. Right. Yeah, that makes total mm-hmm. sense. I mean, yeah. and that's it's very interesting to hear you say that because I know when I sit down to write a review, I always try to find a spine for me to work off of. Even though I don't have to do that, I come up with one central idea and try to work off of it because having just the free form it, it kind of drives me insane. A, yeah. a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Bob, I know you had a, a question you wanted to... Well, sure. Well, I, I guess it, we're, we're moving forward. I just loved your story, Chaos Theory, back in Girls Comics. Oh, thank back you. In, thank oh, you sure. That. But even more Girls Night Out, which took the three S.H.I.E.L.D. people and moved through there. Now, I was very pleased with how that, that came out. That is a, That was a very... Um, you know, I think that... If we have strengths and weaknesses, um, uh, and we all do, but uh, if yeah. I have strengths and weaknesses, I guess I should say, um, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty confident in my ability to uh, write dialogue and dialogue that, that works for the characters. I'm, I feel like I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's arrogant to say that, but I feel like that's a thing I do well. Um, but I am so insecure about plotting uh, and Girls' Night Out is is very cleanly and very simply plotted. Um, and, but but uh, it's so involved, yeah. though. You, you, you're, you're, you're selling yourself short. That, uh. <laughs> no, no, that, that you led from sort of how S.H.I.E.L.D. agents divide the Avengers' assets into that sort of Crusher Creel drunken uh, attacking the mansion and the wonderful ending to that that was just brilliant and that that's all in the plot the dialogue's wonderful but that plot in what was it eight or ten pages yeah that's killer please give yourself some credit on that one that was that was super thank you thank you that's very kind of you thank you No, as people who listen to this show know, I don't throw praise around much. I'm the curmudgeon. No, I'm no, the curmudgeon around here. So if I say it, it's, it's just 100% praise. Believe me. That I is l- very love true. that story. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Well, thank you very much. So how did you end up uh, writing for Marvel? Marvel did this um, Women of Marvel initiative back 
2009, I guess it was. Um, and they were looking, my husband writes for Marvel. My husband is Matt Fraction, um, which I assume most of you probably know, but some of your readers may not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll ask later, but go ahead. This is about you. Um, Matt, uh, Alejandro was Matt's editor on Iron Man, I believe at the time. And, Alejandro mentioned to Matt that they were looking for women writers to pitch on some one-shots for uh, the Women of Marvel initiative. And Matt said, "Um, you should talk to my wife. And uh, there was some concern that I I didn't want it to be nepotism and um, we didn't want it to look bad. So what we did was, you know, my last name and Matt's last name are different so um, I pitched, uh, we, well, well, first we gave a copy of Even and Stella to, um, I'm trying to remember the name of this, uh, uh, Ralph Macchio. Um, and then he read that and liked it and gave me permission to pitch on two titles. And then after my pitches were accepted, we told him that I was Matt's wife so that if there was any, if he was not comfortable with that for mm-hmm. any reason, he would be able to go to somebody else and it would be no harm, no, you know, no harm, no foul. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, uh, my worry at that point was that he was going to feel tricked. Um, but, uh, but he apparently thought it was funny and, uh, it was no big deal. So, uh, oh. I actually got to do both of the books that I pitched on, which was pretty cool. Very, very cool. I, I, I just actually, in a preparation of this interview, I read the Sif uh, one shot and a really cool way to deal with that character, especially coming off the events that happened before that. Um, yeah. yeah, and I love the way you bookend it with kind of her speech about you know who she is. Thanks. Yeah, um, yeah I, uh, uh, I always get creeped out at, I mean, there's so many fantastic cosplayers who do Lady Loki. Um, and they're amazing and beautiful. And I, I get why you would want to dress up in that image. But every time I see it, I can't help but think, you're wearing sip skin. <laughs> <laughs> it's a super creepy costume. <laughs> that's great. Um, so obviously that's your Marvel stuff. Now, you were writing on Supergirl kind of right before this DC relaunch happened literally uh, yes yeah. yes last the last three issues of supergirl before the relaunch yeah. yeah so um i mean was there a reason why you didn't continue with them why you didn't do it on supergirl why you didn't do anything uh, for them after that i just i was wondering uh, about that yeah no uh i was approached to do three issues a three issue arc i was asked to do a three issue arc i pitched a three issue arc i wrote a three issue arc it was never supposed to be any more than that okay um so uh i was asked to pitch on two different projects for the relaunch reboot whatever it was the big thing that happened last (laughs) September, september before that um uh one of them they needed the pitch turned around more quickly than i could do it so um and I'm an idiot, so I, I didn't ask what it was before I turned it down. I just found out what, how quickly they needed the pitch and told them as much as I appreciated it. There was no way I could turn that around that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, 
I think Pat McCollum was the, the editor who called me about that. He was very gracious, said he appreciated my honesty and, uh, uh, would call again. And, uh, and then the next one, uh, I did pitch on and I didn't get it and that's okay. You know, that happens. Um, uh, a buddy of mine got the gig and, um, I congratulated him. On it. <laughs> um, yeah, and he, oddly enough, he ended up quitting that. Yeah, so it was a big, it, I don't know. But uh, DC took a lot of heat for not having um, female creators in the reboot. And I know they talked to me, I know they talked to Marjorie Liu. Um, I don't think it was for lack of trying, but yeah. Interesting. That's a, I mean, it's interesting to hear that kind of inside perspective about that because, uh, yeah, I mean, they did get a lot of heat for that. Um, so, I mean, moving on, we'll talk about the, the, big, the big thing right now. We have Captain Marvel yes. coming back. Um, it's Miss Marvel becoming Captain Marvel. Yes. Um, yes. How did this I want to com- write some kind of don't call it a promotion rap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how did this come about? How did how did you get? Did you get approached by Marvel? Did you approach them? You know, what was the um, the process I, in this and this happening? I think this is the the only one. Well, there's there's one other one, but it hasn't been greenlit. So I, I've only come to Marvel with two things, and this was one of them. Okay. Um, and uh, but in fairness, I had sort of heard that they were looking for a Ms. Marvel pitch, like not in any real official way, but like, that's a thing that was like on the table that, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to need to do a Ms. Marvel book. So everybody fish around. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I was looking for stuff to do. And, um, I talked to Steve Wacker about it and he was really receptive and, and very excited about it. Um, we started talking in May of 2010, and you will wow. note this book is coming out in July of 2012. <laughs> so um, it was a very long process. Um, I was pretty convinced it was dead. Um, and uh, Steve kept, like, I, at one point he talked to me, and he, I, I was, he said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure this time next year, I'm going to be editing a Ms. Marvel book. I don't know if you'll be writing it, but I'm going to be editing it. And there was a point at which I was worried that if it did come through, I wouldn't be able to do it with my schedule. Um, And then the funniest thing that happened was he called me to tell me that he'd finally gotten word. And uh, he said, uh, uh, so you're not writing Ms. Marvel. And, you know, it was a blow, but I, I was trying to be a pro about it. I was mm-hmm. like, you yeah, know, that, that's all right. That's cool. I understand. <laughs> and he's like, because you're writing Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I wanted to kill him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <He is. laughs> so that's how it came about. Um, Bob, go ahead. Well, sure. Now, now, in the original series, you know, Carol wasn't even aware she was Ms. Marvel for a while. Right. And later on, the Avengers, a solo book, she was trying to find herself, you know, in mm-hmm. the heroic world. So now, 
in the new version here, uh, with so many incarnations of Carol to sort of pick from, has she figured it out or is she still finding herself as a woman and as a hero? Bob, you are, you and I, we're simpatico, dude. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, there is a thing. When I was reading about, when I was doing all my research and trying to um, get all of this Ms. Marvel stuff in my head, mm-hmm. uh, I, I noticed how much of her catalog was about identity. Um, And in particular, I noted how often she was literally fighting versions of herself, whether she was fighting um, literally Warbird or or, or Ms. Marvel, Mm -hmm. um, uh, fighting Carla Sofen dressed as her, Yes. Uh, fighting Rogue, having stolen her powers. Like, it, it, she was so constantly coming up against some version of herself that I found it really irritating. Uh, and I swore up and down that I was not <laughs> going to do that. Great. And I have done it so far twice. And you'll yes. note that the book isn't even out yet. <laughs> um, I am convinced now that this is... Okay, this is the point at which I start to sound like a crazy person. Um, but I, I think that these... When we're writing these characters, these are... It, it, it's like playing with... Greek mythology or, um, or opera or commedia dell'arte or, you know, we have these, uh, commedia is a really good one because you you have these, these characters that are, are very defined. Um, and there's, there are, there are, they're iconic. And the, the ones that are, the ones that really stick around, there's something about them. There's some deeper hook and, I, I think that no matter what I do, somehow Carol is going to be in books about identity because that's what Carol has decided and there's not a yes. damn thing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, She's telling her own story in a way. Yeah, and, and, and I realize that that makes me sound like a nut job, but it just, I swear to you, I was bound and determined I would do anything but, and I did it twice. <laughs> Um, it's just, you you know, it's like there, the Marvel universe is founded on daddy issues, you know? I mean, like if you, if you go looking, Mm -hmm. it's in all of these characters. Um, uh, and, and I think that these, the the thing about it, it, all of this, all of this, uh, um, grandiosity, like uh, this, these, larger than life characters it, it it's it all somehow makes it it gives us a shortcut to the to catharsis if that Perfect. makes sense mm-hmm. um you know and and I don't want to um I don't want to sound too pretentious I mean these are these are comic books you know this is this is a pulp art form ultimately disposable but but at the same, you know, Commedia was a low farm too, you know, and, and, and it survives because it works. It survives because it speaks to us on some lizard brain level. And I really think that that's why this genre survives to this day is because there is some kind of, 
Jungian lizard brain thing in there that we <laughs> connect to, it does something for us. Well, I uh, think you hit the perfect word with mythology. Yeah. Where it just speaks to people at that primal level that says, okay, at it's a fable. And here's a way of living your life, and here's a way of dealing with problems. And if you can create in a new fictional character another iconic person, uh, that's just brilliant. Yeah. It's, um, it's trippy. You know? yes. <laughs> it, it is. It's, um, when it works, it really, really works. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Steve. Um, speaking of trippy... I have kind of an off-the-wall uh, question for you about Avenging Spider-Man uh, number nine. You okay. Obviously, you worked very close with uh, Terry Dodson to, to do the, the writing and the art. Now, what I want to know is the character of Robin Hood. I know what you're going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> was, it, was it planned that this character looks pres- exactly like you? Um. I, it's not in the script. Um, you got you, script, you have to she see. She has it. red hair. I think. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not just the red hair. It's um, the facial yeah. expressions. Brian Bendis uh, swore up and down too. He was like, "Oh, so you wrote yourself into this one?" I was like, "No, I didn't." Well, I re- I read it uh, several days ago. I loved it, by the way. I read it, and I was like, you know, it was just a character. And then doing research for the show, of course, I, I saw pictures. And I said, wait a minute. I've seen her before. And I picked it back up, and I was like, no way. That's so cool. And I just – I had to ask. So yeah, un- unintentional uh, then? You have, to, you have to ask Terry about that. Um, uh, I, I didn't catch it because I don't know. I don't know what I look like. But, um, but yeah, you're not the first person who said that. And I do know – that he went back and added bangs to her okay. later after we had met. Ah, there you go. So there, there may have been some, yeah, there I may have been that something. that answers there. our question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I have a question for you as well. Um, sure. You were mentioning that you really enjoyed um, scary comics as a kid. Yes. Um, they seem like something that's really tricky to write because it's a lot of mood setting and just kind of, a lot of setup. What do you think makes a good horror comic? Boy, you know, um, I'm working on Ghost for Dark Horse right now. And um, it is a real challenge. Um, I mean, I don't know that we're doing exactly horror with Ghost, but it's, I'm certainly trying to go in that direction. Um, with even in Stella, uh, well, with even at Stella, I was I was I was really enjoying kind of the 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 funny, gross sort of <laughs> avenue of horror. Um, which I was pregnant with my son at the time, and and my husband was just aghast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like writing a, a vampires opening veins of their victims into a Slurpee machine at a Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, and I was, like, seven months pregnant, and he's like, something is wrong with you. <laughs> but, um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, do you have a favorite sort of genre to write, or? Oh, boy. I, I don't, you know, it's, it's funny, because it's so hard. 
you know, uh, uh, Carol may have picked me for identity issues because um, I have so many of my own. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I can look at my favorite comic writers and I can, I can kind of boil them down into a couple of words. Um, you know, what it is about them that I love, you know, um, what their styles are. And I can't look at my own work and it, it, it's sort of like me saying, I don't know what I look like. I kind of, I don't, I kind of don't know what I write like either. Um, uh, and there, there's some of my work that I'm, you know, like anybody, I'm, pr- I'm really proud of some of it. And some of it I think is okay. An opportunity to do better next time. Um, uh, and that's a hard thing. That is a thing about writing for comics. The train leaves the station every 30 days, whether you're ready or not. You do not get to be precious. You do not get to sit on it. Sometimes they're going to come out and they're not as good as you wanted them to be. And you have to suck it up and move on. And if you, um, if you become obsessive about that and let that paralyze you, you will not have a career. That is the thing I have learned. Wise words. Uh, and that yeah. is hard. That is so hard. Yeah, next month is coming one way or the other. You might as well move forward. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's, I'm not really able to I, – I tend to write funny whether I want to or not. Um, at least I, at least in, in, I think so. Um, uh, I enjoy – I enjoy humor, making me a very <laughs> peculiar human being. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's about as clear. Um, I, I, I do. T- I tend to write about things I'm angry about, too, but not always. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 hard for me to see. I can see just. A, I can I can look anywhere but in the mirror. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So you spoke before about Carol's identity issues, um, mm-hmm. but. And your kind of take on Carol, what's kind of your vision of her? What's your, I guess, pitch uh, on who Carol is, you know, coming into this Captain Marvel? My pitch was Carol Danvers as, as Chuck Yeager. That was it. Um, I wanted to see her as a pilot, as a badass. I wanted to see her take chances, be quick-tempered. Um, uh, you know, when, when the character was first created... She was, uh, she was iconoclastic. She was, uh, uh, you know, she was created overtly as a feminist character. She dealt overtly with feminist issues. Um, she was, uh, she had a swagger. She was a rule breaker, you know? She was, um, she was like the 70s new woman, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and over the last number of years, with good reason, she's been used well in the Marvel Universe, but she's drifted into... Um, they focused on her military background to make her a, a kind of law and order character. You know, she was, she was a character who was rounding up her friends and arresting them after civil war. Right. Um, and it is very, very hard to cheer for someone who rounds up their friends and arrests them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I really wanted to nudge her back to her swagger. I wanted to, and and we're going to have to do this slowly. You can't like, scratch the needle across the record, you know, um, we're, we're nudging her back to that, that iconoclastic place where, we're she's, you know, uh, all of the Mercury seven, all of those guys were military. 
but they were not law and order. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like they were space cowboys. That's what I want for Carol. I want Carol. I'm writing this for. Okay. Do you know you know that uh, uh, you know the song "Devil Went Down to Georgia"? Yeah. Sure. Yes, okay. Course. You know that moment in the song um, where he says, uh, uh, "I done told you once, you son of a gun. I'm the best there yeah, ever been." Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I like the version where they don't say "gun." Um, yeah. <laughs> but I- I'm writing every issue for that moment. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that moment where it's like, oh, no, you didn't. You know, like I yeah. want her. I want her as space cowboy. I want her as test pilot. I want her. Um, I want I, like in, in um, Amazing Spider-Man 9. She shoots a dude in the back. Yeah. <laughs> I know? was just going to ask that question. Go for it, please. She shoots a dude in the back. Um, so she's a hero but she has some impulse control issues so uh and i can relate to that (laughs) but but we see her you know she she's bought a a, and uh and i i guess we're gonna say a retro airplane you know a vintage plane and we're gonna see her as a pilot so that that part of her personality is where you're gonna focus here that's very important for you to show that now yeah, and I really liked the idea, too. This was the thing I was thinking about a lot. I was thinking about, well, how do you write a story about a pilot who doesn't need a plane, right? Mm-hmm. Right, um, yeah. That's, there's a lot of challenges there because Carol's never really in, in, in risk if the plane goes down, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, she can be okay. Yeah. But, um, uh, but there, so it became for me kind of a symbol of her humanity. Like in the accident that gave her her powers, um, she became biologically part Cree, including getting some memories that are not real. So she has this, again, it's an identity thing. She's, um, she's this human woman from Boston, uh, the, the, the eldest of a family of boys and, and that kind of stuff where, like, you know, we, we talk in the Marvel Universe about, um, about their gifts and their wounds. And the wound for Carol that, to me, is at the crux of her character is, um, you know, again, coming back to daddy issues, too. Yes. Uh, you know, her father, who loved her very much, um, didn't see her as having the same value as his son's. And he would not pay for her to go to school. And that is why she enlisted. And that is why she became a pilot, so that she could go to school. Because he was a construction worker and um, he was a foreman, but he didn't make a lot of money. And he had two boys to put through school. And that, as far as he was concerned, was money better spent. Yes. Um, and it's, it's a confusing and difficult thing to have to... I mean, we can imagine that. I can... Uh, yes. You know, like, you, everybody has that relative that... You love them, and they know they, that that they love you, but they're they have some ideas where you're like, you know, my my grandfather uh, referred to a man that he worked with as uh, uh, he he really liked the man, but he referred to him as being a credit to his race. You know, yeah. I was like, oh god, um, <laughs> uh, like it's that kind of thing. Like her dad absolutely loved her, but he had these old fashioned, entrenched ideas, and and. And it and and gave her this wound. He hurt her, 
um, by treating her as though she didn't have the same value as the boys. And she uh, saved him a couple of times but had to walk away. Yes, yes, yeah. because he didn't want to be saved by a woman. That's yes. right. Um, and, uh, and, I, and he's gone now, you know? So, so Carol is forever trying to prove something to a daddy that can never, never heal that wound. Um, uh, and there's something tragic about that, but there's something yes. really motivating about that as well. Right. It's her inner strength that now she can pull herself past all that and now be the hero she really needs to be without the self-doubt that he's sort of layered onto her over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think the way um, the way I make sense of the self-doubt thing is, um, uh, you know, can, uh, can, is this is an, an all ages show? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Say whatever you need to. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a. Um, uh, I'm Carol's an alcoholic. I'm 12 years in recovery myself, uh, and there's a, a phrase we use around the rooms that's uh, uh, you know this 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 thing you have sometimes as an alcoholic where you're you're both. An, an egotist and you have low self-esteem, you're um, wow. uh, uh, the piece of crap at the center of the universe is the phrase. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and I, I think that that's the kind of thing that Carol has. Carol is, is confident to the point of egotism, um, but at the same time uh, has this thing that she, where she's, this level of insecurity where she's always trying to prove it, you sure. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's beautifully human. Yes. Um, I yeah. like that about her. I like that she's always sort of striving to be better, um, but that she has this quick temper, that she needs to be acknowledged, that she wants to be the best. Um, I like that. Yeah, I mean that's yes. that's great. Um, uh, this is obviously we talking about your work a lot, but um, and we have some questions from Twitter that we're going to get to. But before we do that, Stephanie, I know you have some questions for Kelly Sue about maybe other people's work. Yeah. Um, so obviously, this is our Women in Comics Week, and uh, we want to keep it positive and kind of spread the love around. So I wanted to know if um, there were any women creators that our listeners should be following, and maybe some books by them. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, well, the, 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 the big one is uh, it, Gail Simone is probably uh, uh, our, our A-list uh, lady writer at the big two right now. Um, uh, and, um, you know, Gail has done some amazing things with uh, the Bat family books um there's a, a start anywhere um <laughs> exactly uh uh let's see uh marjorie lou you can do no wrong with marjorie marjorie's x books are fantastic uh x23 just ended but i'm sure you can probably get that in trade um and then watch for what um marjorie's got coming next um uh, my friend Jen Van Meter has a Hawkeye series um, that uh, was a mini that's fantastic. She also did uh, a Black Cat mini that was 
gorgeous. Was that last year, I think? You know the one I'm talking about with all the, the fantastic 60s covers? I think yes. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And loved her uh, Miss America one-shot from a couple of years ago, too. Yes. Um, and I just dug up a, a, a an old Western of hers that I haven't read yet, but I'm super huh. excited about it. Um, Which is called what? I'm writing as we speak. <laughs> oh, let me find it. It's got some funny name. It's like Cinnamon something. Hold on, Jen. Okay. <laughs> Jen Cinnamon. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Uh, 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 oh, come on. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's cinnamon something, um, DC cinnamon? Wait, what? <laughs> we just moved, so I'm literally talking to you from the dining room with boxes everywhere. I don't have access to my books right now. That's yeah, sure. um, uh, okay. But, uh, I got, I, I found the singles on, um, on eBay and got them. Um, so it, it right. can be done. Um, <laughs> Cinnamon, it is. It is cinnamon. cinnamon. Just cinnamon. cinnamon. Okay. El Chiclo. C I C L O. Jen's great. Colleen Coover um, yes. does cool stuff. Um, uh, Gingerbread Girl, I think, is the name of her. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, oh, cats. Oh, great. Cats just put a hole in my skirt. This is my day, guys. <laughs> Um, uh, sorry. Let's see. Um, 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 there are a lot of us actually. And, and, um, it's just, there's, there aren't quite as many working at the big two right now, Mm -hmm. but there are, um, tons and tons of female comic book creators out there. Really great stuff. Cool. Thank you. Uh, that's great. Um, but we do have some questions before we move on. Steve, sure. some Twitter questions. <gasps> yeah. Um, we have a couple of, you just said it, Twitter questions. I did, I did say it. <laughs> Got to clear my thought. All right. We have uh, Brendan Quinn, who is Blood Mediocrity on Twitter, asks, how much of a role will Carol's family play in the series? Uh, n- not much. Um, she's kind of, a, her dad's passed away. Um one of her brothers has passed away. We won't be too focused on her immediate family, right? Not for a while, anyway. All right. All right. Uh, next, we have uh, at Damiler, who actually has a Captain Marvel icon as their Twitter icon, which is awesome. Says, uh, <laughs> I'd love to know what Kelly Sue finds most challenging about writing Carol and if we'll be seeing Carol's cat Chewy again. Um, yeah, when we get back to status quo stuff, I, I, I think Chewie's still around. Um, I would, uh, what do I find most challenging about writing Carol? The thing about the, the plane was a sort of a difficult thing to wrap my head around. The, the, the idea of a pilot who doesn't need a plane, Mm -hmm. um, was tricky. And then I think, uh, I'm not sure if I ever finished that thought when we were talking about it earlier, but But you you rock that in, in, in in Avenging (laughs) Spider-Man, you rock that. Thank you. The, um, the idea that the, that, the, that the plane was like the reminder of her humanity, that yeah. there's nothing magic about that, and yet it is this amazing thing that can happen. It's not alien technology. It's not, you know, Asgardian hoo-hahs. It's just, <laughs> it's just simple science yeah. um, um, and, and things that she can understand and she can make happen. It's very, very human. Um, and it's, it's, the, you know, it's the perfect balm for a control freak. Um, so, uh, uh, that, that stuff was, was sort of big puzzles I needed to solve. And now really it's just 
the biggest the, the biggest problems I'm having right now are not Carol specific. They're just sort of specific to my um, kind of leveling up. Uh, I'm writing an ongoing now. I, I've, there's a lot of eyes on this first issue. Um, I'm really proud of it, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I, I, I can't help. I like, I compare myself to people who are way better and way more experienced than me. You know, and like I went back and read, um, Bendis's first issue of Alias and it's the perfect first issue. So good. Mine is not that good. It's okay. It's okay. It isn't. And you know what? It's a good book. I'm proud of it. There are a lot of dogs in this industry. (laughs) I'm not ashamed of it. No names now, please. No, no. But, um, but, but I, I mean, no, I've written some of the dogs, you know, I mean, it's, um, uh, I, I'm I'm leveling up to the to like every day. I'm learning how much more I have to learn. Does that make sense? Like I know yeah. I'm doing it right. I know I know that when when you are aware of when, when you keep finding new places that you have to grow, I think that's a good sign. It's just right. um, you know it's hard. <laughs> you want this to be easy, but. Uh, uh, no, look, I'm sure Hemingway and Steinbeck didn't find it easy either, every day <laughs> sitting down at that blank page yeah, and moving forward. Know. so We'll see. But I, I'm getting there. I'm learning a lot. I'm growing. It's, um, but yeah, right now, it's, it's really, it's craft stuff that's just, um, I want to be better faster. Hmm. Awesome. All right, we've got uh, another one for you from Rep Stones. He says, can you ask Kelly who her favorite writer is and she cannot say her husband? <laughs> uh, Warren Ellis. Ah, oh, nice choice. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, he says, also, could you ask Kelly Sue if she could work with one artist on one title that she hasn't done yet, which would it be and why? Okay, um, that is... One of those questions that um, I try to resist answering, and here's why. Um, Because if I say a book that somebody else is working on right now, it makes it sound as though I don't think they're doing a good job or that I want their job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that is not a good way to make friends in the industry. (laughs) And um, if I mention a book or a character that nobody's doing right now, um, some editor may think, oh, hey, that's right. And they may pull that out on their desk and not pick me for it. (laughs) Right. You know? Right, Um, yeah. And then with the thing about naming an artist, um, uh, there are a long list of artists that I want to work with. uh, And if I name um, a short list of them, (laughs) I will inevitably leave someone out who I have said that I want to work with mm-hmm. and hurt their feelings. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, who would you would not say, want to work now, with then? There, there was a dude <laughs> I met in Toronto. Yeah, couple, Toronto. Yay! It was a dude I met in Toronto a couple years ago. Um, I was just walking around Artist Alley looking at people's portfolios and I was really smitten with this guy's work. And then I met him and he's bright and grounded and funny. And I just feel really strongly that we are going to make awesome comics together. And um, I, I introduced myself, and um, we have we've only spoken 
very briefly a couple of times. Um, but I keep putting his name out for every chance I get. <laughs> um, it hasn't worked yet. Um, but uh, uh, I spoke to him recently because I was putting him forward for something else. And he said, you know, we don't have to wait for somebody to hire us together. We could do something, create our own together. Uh-huh. And so um, I sent him a list of my creator owned ideas. He named three of them that he really liked and one he was particularly into. Awesome. So basically, as soon as I have a hole in my schedule, we're going to make that happen. Very nice. cool. Excellent. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, James Buzz Leesk, who's at Leesk on Twitter. He wants to know, <laughs> Kelly Sue, what was the best non-home-cooked meal of your life? <laughs> uh, it was at the American restaurant in Kansas City. Um, and I don't remember the entire menu, but I remember one dish that... Um, it was, uh, I, I think it was some kind of, some kind of white fish, maybe. Oh my gosh, what was it? Oh, that's always a favorite. Yeah, um, but it, it had, it was both salty and sweet and had a little pear and a little citrus. And it was like the most amazing thing, um, uh, it was the appetizer, and I have I've saved somewhere in my files. I have the menu. I took it <laughs> because that dish was like the most amazing thing I've ever put in my mouth. Awesome, Bob. Yes, sure. It may be our last question, and not to be mercenary, but it's a pit peeve of mine about pre-orders. What are the pre-orders like on Captain Marvel number one? Are we really strong here? Are we going to move forward and rock this thing? Well, uh, I'm going to confess to having been a little bit of a coward. Um, so this is what happened. Uh, I got a phone call and, um, my editor told me that the orders were much stronger than expected. That was a quote, much stronger than expected. That's great. And I did not ask for specifics because this is my thought process. It will never get better than that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Number two orders are less than number ones. Yeah, certainly. It's, yeah. it's a, no, I mean, it's no, the process. I it's awful. Absolutely that. Absolutely that. But what I mean is if they were to tell me what the actual numbers were, nothing is going to make me feel better than much better than expected. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the actual orders are, and they're lower than what I would have thought. I'll think, oh, so you didn't think I could tell that many, you know, or... <laughs> It, it, like it, there's, there is no way that knowing the answer to that question was going to help me get to, uh, to my desk and write the next day. Right. right. So I'm sure I will find out when the ICV stuff comes in. I will probably not be able to help myself from looking. But right now, I'm clinging to much better than expected, and I don't know specifics. Excellent. No, no it should be. The, the real problem becomes one is a number, and then two is 50% of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the time they get to four and they sort of, oh, wait, it's selling. What I didn't order enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not on the retailers. It's the process. No. Mm-hmm. The system is broken. Yes, I have gone I agree. on at great length about how broken this oh, is. Oh, really? Okay, good. Yeah. Rant, Unfair. please, please, Kelly, just rant away. Because <laughs> otherwise I'll do it, so you should do it. Oh, no, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a hundred ways in which the system is broken. You know, um, uh the the client the the 
sale because because our books are not returnable. The yes. um, the customer is not the reader. The customer is the retailer. The oh, retailer's brilliant. profit yes. margin is so slim that they're um, they have to produce for themselves these algorithms for figuring out <laughs> how many of these books to purchase. They are not in a position of being able to take tremendous risks. We don't have yes. like a McDonald's of retailers. These are mostly mom and pop shops. Whatever yes. they don't sell, they are stuck with. Um, so it's you can't really blame them for not. So for for instance, a book like Captain Marvel, um, you know, female led books have not traditionally done exceptionally well. I am not a household name. I am twice the household name that Dexter Soy is. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, um, yes. it, it's we're asking a lot of them to ask them to to order this book. So the the best thing that I can do is to go to the readers and beg readers who are and and I don't want to like I don't want to say to people. I, okay, I'm a shopper. I love to shop. I do not order my shoes three months in advance without trying them on. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Absolutely. absolutely. And, and a lot of people are even asked to pay for these things three months in advance before they <laughs> yeah. try them Yeah, buy your shoes the season before. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, you know, it's, it's, it's absurd. But what I've said is, it, you know, if you think you are interested, if, 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 if I've interested you in some way, if you look at Dex's work and you're like, yes, that is awesome. I love it. It looks like it should go on the side of my van. I must have it. <laughs> uh, and you're pretty sure you're going to order it. Then please pre-order Pre it. Oh, yes. What that tells the retailer is this one is sold. So you don't have to worry about this one. You go ahead and order that one. And then you order a couple more for your shelf, you yes. know, but, but if, if you think you're going to order it, let them know. That's the it doesn't fix the system. It's a ridiculous thing to have to ask a reader to do, but it's it's the best thing we've got right now. And I I don't I don't have an MBA. I can't, you know. Th this the reason books get canceled before they ever make it into the reader's hand is because the reader isn't the customer. You know, the, the store is. The store is the customer. So yeah. it's it's all very odd. Um, yeah, uh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> you know, and and and. And I'm not trying to demonize the publishers either. Like publishing does not, you know, people keep talking about all of the money that the movies have made. Well, the money that the movies have made were made by the movies for the movie departments. Right. Yeah. From publishing. Mm -hmm. Publishing is hurting, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so they've got budgets to attend to as well. Um, they can't keep continuing a book that they don't think is going to be bringing in enough to keep editors working, you know? Yeah, uh, and all of the editors I know are overworked. Everybody has too many titles. Um, I, I the best I can do is cling to the hope that digital is somehow going to make things better. Um, but nobody's really cracked that code yet either. You know how do we how do we support our brick and mortar retailers and digital? You know how do we marry this so that one one is not hurting the other? Sure. Um, uh, I really like destination stores like the um, uh, the Star Clipper in uh, St. Louis is probably – I have been to some amazing stores. I, there's Meltdown in L.A. is amazing. Acme in Greensboro is phenomenal. Um, there are a lot of stores that I love, 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 but Star Clipper is my favorite store. That place is gorgeous. Um, it is like – 
you know, it, it, it is as, as brightly lit and beautifully put together as going into, um, a Barnes and Noble in a, in a high end mall. Um, there's no behind the counter. The people who, the staff walk around with people. They really take the time. You know, our distribution model is difficult for new readers, right? So say you are, say, God forbid, you're a young woman who is vaguely interested in these characters after seeing a movie. You somehow find your way into a comic book store. You know that you thought the Hulk was funny. You think you might like to read a Hulk book, right? You come in, everything is organized by publisher. So now you have to know that Hulk is put out by Marvel and not DC, we think that that's ridiculous and everyone knows it. That's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true at all. Um, so you, say you, you manage to find a, a release wall and you're looking for green, right? <laughs> or, or, or God forbid, you're looking in H when it's under I, you know, um, or yeah. whatever it is. So, so say you manage to find the Hulk. Say there's a, there happens to be a Hulk title out and only one. Is it issue number one? Like, do you know if you can jump on at that point? Do you know? Like, there's so much that's so confusing. Like, and, and people often will, will make the argument that, um, well, you know, female readers, they're just not that into comic books and, or they're not that visual or whatever. And this makes uh, me want to put my fist through somebody's good face. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I it's, Absolutely absurd. There were so many readers, uh, female readers for manga was not because of what manga is. It's not because women are particularly more Japanese than anything else. (laughs) It's because they were easy to we didn't need help, right? You want you're you're interested in manga. You go to Barnes and Noble. It's a story you've already been to a hundred thousand times. It's in the mall. You know how to get there. You find the manga section. You pick up the book, you read the back of the book, just like you've been trained to do in every other book your entire life. You find, find the blurb yep. to you, you buy the one that has a number one on it, and you go home. Yeah. No one has to hold your hand to do that. In a comic store, you need a guide. Yep. You know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. It's one of the best sure. points I've ever heard on the show. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, in way too many comic stores, the guide is a... Not very not nice guide. person. Yeah, yeah. he's not a guide. Yeah, he's snobs. a snarky person, snobby guy. Just just saying, behind the counter, it's you should know this ahead of time. No, yeah. you're a new reader. I, Everybody's a new reader. I still get. Have you ever been in a comic book store before? <laughs> I said, yeah. dude, look at me. <laughs> you know, yeah. A visual humor on a radio show. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do a lot of that, yeah. Kelly. Unfortunately, um, we we break the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um. Kelly, that's a great point, and thank you so much for being here. We kept you way over the time that we kind of said oh, that. Oh, that's my fault. I talk too much. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, no. This, no, was, no. Brilliant. this was a brilliant, brilliant segment. Great. I don't, I mean, we didn't get to talk about it in depth or anything, but I don't want to leave without mentioning you have a creator own book coming out next year, um, Pretty Deadly, uh, yeah. from Image, um, with uh, Emma Rios, right? Yeah. I don't want to talk. It's weird because we we were just talking about this. The the team and I were talking about this. Like we don't want to um, we don't want to start hyping it too early and like have fatigue on it. So um, I, I will just say that it is a a uh, Sergio Leone man with no name inspired western with oh. a female lead. Oh. Um, I'm in and, love already. Uh, <laughs> Thought um, freaking out. Uh, yes. when, when Emma and I were working together on Osborne, we 
we have a lot of the same sensibilities. We re- both love uh, 70s cinema. We both love uh, Japanese um, pinky violence. And uh, we kind of wanted to marry the two. And th- there's some, some fun, weird stuff. The book is, um, is narrated by a dead bunny and a butterfly. <laughs> now I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> now Steve's in love. You, you've got two readers already, Kelly. You're All in right. good shape. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that's so great. That's so great. Um, so, so that's 2013 from Image, right? Yes. Um, Captain Marvel is on the shelves to, right now. Today. Yeah. As we speak. Um, as we speak, you can walk into your local comic book store and pick up Captain Marvel number one. Um, you're at Kelly Sue on Twitter. Correct? I am indeed. I am indeed. Is there anything else you want to pimp before we get out of here? <laughs> um, no, no, I'm good. I, there was a there was a question that you were um, uh, kind enough to protect me from, but I, I want to address it if I can for just one second. Absolutely. Go for it. Um, there was, uh, I think, the first person to respond to your call for questions wanted to know. Um, I can't find it now, but the, he had a two part question. Basically, he wanted to know one. Um, why um, Kat, the original Marvel was brought back only to be killed off, and uh, and I think he had a problem with the new look. Yes, he um, did. and yes. I just I don't want to. Um, you know, I want to address it. And what I was not involved in any way with with bringing Marvel back or killing him off. So unfortunately, that one, I, that part, I can't address. But what I can say about um, about the new look is um, that we were trying. Um, well, first of all, the the he mentioned specifically the hair, which he was not fond of. No. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the thing about the hair that I will say is uh, it looks wildly different depending upon what artist handles it. So the one that has gotten the most press is the Ed McGinnis cover, um, where the hair looks very punk rock. Yeah. I happen to love it. If it is not your bag, open the book and you will find a <laughs> radically different hairstyle. <laughs> um, uh, the, the way that Jamie McKelvey designed it, uh, is probably closest to the way that Terry Dodson did it in Avenging. Um, uh, the first sketch I saw of the new hair came from Joe Casada, and it was gorgeous. Um, it was very long, um, but slicked back on the sides. Not exactly a mohawk, but um, but 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 clearly warrior esque. And the idea of the the of the mohawk coming out of the helmet was a, a nod to the original pre-helmet. Um, and then as far as, as the gentleman's distaste for the new uniform goes, the flight suit, you know what? It's comics. Costumes are going to come and go. I understand, you know, if it is not visually appealing to you, I wouldn't want my favorite character to have a look that wasn't visually appealing to me either. That would bum me out. But your old black swimsuit, uh, Ms. Marvel books, they're still out there. There's nothing about mm-hmm. the new one that makes the old ones go away. I bet you there are stories you haven't read. You could go find more. Um, you know, in, in, and if this, is, if this is not your bag, don't buy it. If enough people don't buy it, she will be back in the black swimsuit quicker than you can blink. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing I, I'm really into it. I'm super excited about it, but we can't, you know, it, it's it's not going to be the thing for everybody. I um, mean, the most important thing to me about the costume was that it be appropriate to the woman's character. And as a pilot, I wanted her in something that looked like a flight suit. I never call it her costume. It's her uniform. Nice. Wow. And, and look, it's such a, a, a look back at her original outfit, which is a knockoff of the original Captain Marvel. Yes. It's there. It's it's right to that. So it's honoring the origins of the character. Right. And can I just, yeah. can I just say... Go ahead. I love the look. It reminds me very much of my close friend, Ashley. She's got the same look, and I love right, her, man. so I love the look. <laughs> and I can't wait to read it. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Well, I hope you like it, man. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you, Kelly, so much for being here. Um, we really appreciate it. Captain Marvel on the shelves right now. We will be right back after this. So that wraps up our interview with Kelly Sudakonic, and it also wraps up another day in our Women in Comics week. I want to thank Kelly Sue so much for being here. Such an honor. So great. I'm so excited. So excited to keep reading her Captain Marvel book. But folks, the week's not over. Tomorrow, Trina Robbins. You guys really want to listen to this interview. She is just a freaking delightful person and you can ask anybody you can ask steve stephanie bob whoever you want they will tell you the same thing i'm telling you this is an interview you don't want to miss let us know how we did at talking comics info at talkingcombooks.com or on the website talkingcombooks.com so with all that out of the way that is it for this installment of talking comics women in comics week come on back tomorrow so until next time to be continued. <laughs>